Hello and welcome to Backyard Catch. This is Nick Roby. Thanks so much for joining me once again. We are recording on Monday, Labor Day, September 5th, 2023. For a date for a second. Super pumped to be here. What a fun full college weekend. And as I'm recording this, we still have one more game. And if you're listening on podcasts, I'm decked out in my in my school's colors. I got my Clemson gear on, so I'm going to support the team, you know. So they have not played yet. So if you're listening to this, there's a good chance they will have already played and we'll have some more information on on how the Tigers are doing as they played, had to go on the road at Duke. That will be in prime time on Labor Day night. So we'll get to that in the next episode as we'll have more information on them. But other than that, every other team in the country has played at least one game, and some teams have played even two games. Man, it's the beauty of college football is that we can do all this prep work, all this thinking, all this just trying to understand, break down teams or feeling of a good feeling and on, on a certain team. And a lot of times we have, you know, a good hunch on where teams are. And then other times you just don't know until the ball snapped. And there are teams that have really proved it, some in a good way and some in a, in a surprising way that we maybe didn't play as well as we thought we would have. And there's just so much we could talk about and so much you could fit in. It's just hard to even fit into one show. And so we're going to do our best to really try to just hit on, on some big things and really just get some big takeaways from the games this weekend. And, and that also will include up to, you know, Florida and Utah as well. Just because, you know, those these first Labor Day weekend games, it, it's a wide span of, you know, when your team can play. And it's interesting to see as we go from there. So starting with Florida and Utah, I was surprised at this one. And also just... In, in trying to do this again and trying to sp- pr- pick spreads, it's tough. I think in week ones, a lot of times you have at least a sense of where teams are. I feel like this year was just super tough. It was super tough to try to figure out where where these teams are at. You know, you got a Florida team that maybe around five hundred, but could have an, you know an opportunity out west and get a win on the road at Utah. You've got Mertz, the new quarterback, and we're hearing some things he wasn't utilized all the right ways and just or that he could be utilized more. And then you got a Utah team who's who's back to back or has won the Pac twelve two times in a row. They get Cam rising back, but then he's out for the game. You know? So they don't really lose at home, but he's been their quarterback for the past few years. So you know, you just don't know what you're gonna get, what's gonna win out. And it was going to be close, so I ended up taking Florida plus a six and a half. I think just because it was close. It was close last year, and I was just really surprised. Obviously, that, that didn't I didn't cover, but I was just really surprised at the offensive line from Florida. I knew they had gotten some new transfers, and I just really thought they'd be able to run the ball better with Trevor Etienne and those guys, and they just weren't. I mean, it was just props to this Utah team. They were really solid up front and they just played really team quality football and you know their quarterbacks played well and played and gave them really good shots but I think this defense I just underrated how good this defense was going to be this year and I think a lot of times too in in these week one matchups you're you're, it's not that it's going to be this is their whole season but you learn a lot you learn a lot of a team of a style and 
what is this feeling going to be? And in a primetime matchup, and it's like all eyeballs are on you, they really showed up. And Utah just seems like a fun place to play. It just seems like a fun environment. So props to you guys out there. That was just really a cool environment. I was just disappointed in how Florida showed because there were opportunities, you know? Like they just they had a couple drives early, they miss a field goal, they have drops, they have penalties. They just kept getting penalties. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot and then, you know, Utah would take advantage as like good teams do. And so really it was a combination of both. Utah played, I thought, a good game, especially without Cam Rising, who is like, that's that's a big deal. And you, you almost kind of forget he didn't play because that's how much of a team they were. But then, you know, Florida, I just think, goes scratch up the drawing board. And now they're just really trying to to see what they've got going forward. And thankfully, you can you can come back home and, and kind of see what you got, you know, coming in the next few weeks. But they got to figure it out because they play in the SEC and, uh, you know, they got teams like, what, they're going to play, you know, Florida State and they got to play Georgia, Tennessee, um, Kentucky, South Carolina. Like the, They're going to have you know, these games they have to play. And it's just, you know, will they make a bowl game? I don't know. It's, it's going to be very telling, very telling next few weeks in Gainesville. But Utah, Utah looks like another strong season out ahead. And I think that was another thing as we transition is that the Pac-12, it's kind of like actually kind of sad in a way because, you know, obviously this is the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it. I mean, let alone if there's even going to be a league left. I mean, there's only two teams who are still affiliated with them. And they are one of the best conferences in the country. They're going to, they have all these top teams who have a viable shot of winning the conference. And if they, you know, if they came, come out with no losses or even one, they can be in the playoff. It, it's very feasible. You know, you've got Southern Cal, you've got Oregon, you've got Washington, you've got Utah. UCLA, you know, they look like they got some pieces. I don't know if they're going to win, but, you know, they look like a tough out. You've got Oregon State with DJ Uyunglele. Like, they they looked good on the road, you know, and, and it's they play tough. And it's just, it's, it's a very, it's a much deeper league, I think, than people are going to give it credit for. And, oh, yeah, and by the way, they got Colorado, at least for this year. So we're going to talk about that. Don't you worry. So let alone Colorado, who is just a fascinating story. You know, I don't think they're going to – I don't – it's hard to know after week one, but, you know, I don't know if I would say that they're still ready to win the conference, but they're going to be a tougher out, you know, as they've showed. So, it, Pac-12, that was just fun. That was a big takeaway is the Pac-12 is really tough. And I think that – and also I think it's just clear that I don't know if there's – a clear, like, number one team. I think teams can make cases, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the voters play it out, you know, with what Florida State did last night. But, you know, I, there's no clear, I would say, like, a unanimous, like, this is a clear favorite, a clear top two. There are top teams, and that's what's just, I, this year's going to be so fun because of that. It's just there's just so many ways it could go. And even with this past week, there's just you just don't quite know until the ball snapped. And so we learned a lot, but there's a lot more to go. I think there were two two very statement games this weekend. And one we've circled for a while. We kind of knew. And another one, there were some interesting storylines, but we didn't I not very many people in the country, including myself, thought it was gonna be a close game. 
So we'll start with Colorado at TCU. Big noon kickoff. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, goes into Fort Worth to play Texas Christian, who just came off of playing in the national championship game. They lose, you know, coordinator and, and have a lot of new pieces, but still a tough program, and people ranked them top seven, number 17 in the country. It's still a little high because of all the turnovers, like a turnover of personnel and then some new new system to install. But, I mean, it's still a tough out, and it's tough to play on the road. And then talking with what, you know, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, as he likes to be called, and this Colorado team, they brought in so many transfers. It was like, a, I think only one, what was it, one scholarship player was still left over? I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it was just a crazy amount of just new personnel and guys who didn't play. I mean, it's just you didn't know. You don't know what they're – you just don't know what you're going to look like. And that's what, that would, that's what made picking that game so tough spread-wise is because you just don't know with Colorado what you were going to get. And 20 and a half just seems like a lot of points. And I think they would, you know, be admirable. But it's just hard to see them covering. And boy, did they cover. I mean, that was – that was such a captivating game. And that's why you love Saturdays in the fall. And that's why, like, you love seeing all this because it's a game that was not only did Colorado cover, it was just so entertaining. It was just back and forth, kept you on the edge of your seat the whole time to where, you know, you have, if you have kids and they're, they're napping, you're trying to be quiet because it's just like, it's just so entertaining, and you're seeing big play after big play, and just dynamics of this game. You could just talk about. We could take up this whole rest of this episode talking about this game because that's how good it was. So Colorado comes in there, and when they went 45 to 42, Shadar Sanders. I mean, the, a big name in this is Travis Hunter, but Shadar Sanders, what he did. I mean, being the coach's son and being the big, the big name that your dad is, being the the spotlight that's on you because you're the coach's son and being quarterback and coming with him from Jackson State, I you know, thought he was a good player, but I wasn't expecting that, you know. He threw 510 yards. It was a school record. And it was his first start on the road. It was incredible. Colorado had four players with over 100 yards receiving. Four that's insane. Like that's, it's it, the numbers were so big and so like all the places. It's just hard to even process them. And then Travis Hunter, what he was doing, the dude played hundred sixty something snaps. He played two ways, and not just like played it, but played it well. Was the guy, you know, over hundred yard receiving, touchdown and interception, locking down top players. I mean, he looked like. You know, as when you get with these recruiting rankings, and guys can be good, but you know, not every five star the same is the same, and not every top player is the same as you rank these guys. And that's why they try to have these little grading scales. But it's hard to know. You know, you just you you want to see how, what it looks like when you know the lights get sh- shown on them. And you know, he was recruited to Florida State. He was number one player in the country. Follows Deion Sanders. You know, and seems to really relate to him, which is really cool. You know, goes to Jackson State, he balls out there. He goes to Colorado, starts, and doesn't just start, but, like, takes over. And we're just making all these crazy catches. And, I mean, this, Colorado put 
the college football world on notice. It was impressive. And they got Dylan Edwards. He was explosive out of the backfield. I'm even just pulling up the box score over here. Sanders, 510 yards, four interceptions. Dylan Edwards had four touchdowns, five for 135 yards, three touchdowns. Wilkerson rushed the ball well. I mean, it it was just it was impressive. And then even his other son, Charles Sanders, was another quarterback. Like this is the type of game that they showed was you would expect maybe for like a few years from now. You you don't expect that game one, you know. And telling it. Coach Prime and this team, they put a lot of, they, they quieted a lot of doubters. And, you know, now they're going to host Nebraska and they're a nine point underdog. I don't, I don't want to play that team. Like, who wants to play that team right now with all the confidence they have? And I'm just saying, like, that's another tough out. And it's just, it's a, there's going to be a, such a fun storyline because you, they're just, they're like that, you know, like when you're binge watching a show and they leave you on a cliffhanger at the end of the episode. Like, you just want to know what's next. Like, what's the next thing? Gonna, what are the next thing they're going to do? What's the next thing Coach Prime's going to say on the sidelines? Like, what's the next? It's just super impressive. And also, just another uh, side note, I'm glad he clarified this. If, I don't know if you watched the game, you saw a little D or a little L. And so, and and I was trying to figure out what it was on on the jersey. So instead of doing captains, they're doing um, he calls them leaders, and then he calls them dogs. So he doesn't like doing the captain thing. So I mean, it listen, it's working for him. Kids are buying in. He is, you know, was a dynamic player both ways at Florida State and the NFL, and he played baseball too. So you know, not everyone may like him, but you have to respect him. I think, you know, for what he's doing and with the programs he puts together and he wins and the kid, the guy wants to, he wants to help kids improve and give them their best chance for the next level or, so I think people didn't like the way that he was coming across of like all these transfers and just coming in as himself. But I mean, I've heard somebody else say this too, like what's conventional about college football right now, you know, like Josh Pate was saying this on his show, like, or I forget on his show or on, on Twitter, like What's conventional about college football right now? We've got th- we've got two California teams coming to play in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Like, what is this? We got the Big Twelve or Big Ten spanning across the country. We've got all these mega conferences, um, all this NIL money, like with no hardly any regulation. Like, wh- what's conventional about this? I mean, there's a fun story to watch, and it'll be interesting to see how this narrative, this, this storyline continues to grow too. So, and then just hitting on TCU, I, to me, I, I wasn't even like, I, I don't know if I was hundred percent even disappointed in TCU. I thought they played a good game. I, I mean, there were some times where they had some breakdowns in coverage, um, but that's really hard to defend against when you don't know exactly what's coming. I thought Chandler Morris played pretty well. They had some good, they kept responding. They took leads. They just, ran out of time and it was just one of those good games and they had the magic from last year and I think that's what's I think really it's just it you have the history of the year before but it doesn't always carry over the way we always think it will and that's okay it's just each year is a year of its own and you have the history from before and, and you're projecting out and some of that can carry over into summer maybe in, into the new 
into the new team. But as coaches will tell you, it's a new team. It's new leaders. It's new people. Even if it's the same personnel, they could be in new positions asked new responsibilities or trying to carry with the young guys and helping keep the culture going. And so there's a lot of change in the TCU program. And I thought they played, I thought they played pretty well. And, but there are some things they'll want to clean up and stuff. And I don't, I wasn't expecting them to continue the run of last year. Cause that was just a magical thing of its own, but still at the same time, I mean, it's tough. You don't want to lose game one at home, but I, to me, this was more about how impressive Colorado was than, more if TCU was disappointing for me. I'm, fans will probably say different, but that's just from an outsider looking in. That's just how I how I took it. So, and what's interesting it, with as we as we continue to move on, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to talk about, at, and there are bigger games, of course. We're gonna get to Florida State, LSU. One I was just impressed with, and just wasn't. I, I expected Oklahoma to win, but joined seventy three to nothing. That was impressive, you know. I mean, they got blamed against Texas last year. And people were, you know, is Venables really the guy? And really, and, and trying to figure that out. And I don't know if Arkansas State's not going to be that great. So I know you take it with a grain of salt. But I don't care who you are. It's hard to push a shutout. It's hard. I mean, scoring that many points is a lot. Like, you know, even when you start putting your backups and stuff in. So... It was just it, when I watched them. It was the explosiveness that you you have come to know with Oklahoma, especially with the Lincoln Riley days before. And I was just I was impressed with what Dylan Gabriel and that offense were able to do. And defensively, it's just it's impressive to score a shutout. I mean, they just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. It was just they played really well. And it'd be fun. It'd be very interesting to see what that Oklahoma team looks like going forward. Shout out to Iowa. They scored 24 points. They won 24 to 14 over Utah State. Cade McNamara led. This was a crazy stat that I saw. You haven't seen this. It was the first time they started. Iowa started, I think, with a passing touchdown on their first drive since 1991. That's 31 years ago. That's insane. Like I was always been known for. I was always been known for their defense, but. If they have any kind of a semblance of consistency in the offense, especially in consistency in the passing game where you have to, you know, respect both sides of it, of the ball. It just makes it interesting. Got to watch out, you know. They'll, they'll make some noise in the West and trying to face Wisconsin. We know the other big scores. Mississippi's, Mississippi scored 73 points. Oregon <laughs> scored 81. It's just crazy. I just, I saw, you saw the, the duck was just, passed out from all those push I think it was 536 push-ups he had to do, you know, because you do for every score, and then you add the score as you go. So you saw those, and but those were teams playing, you know, lesser opponents than them, and really they're trying to see what they've got. I thought Southern Cal uh, did a good job. I wasn't sure if they were going to cover. I mean, Nevada is not great, and but it's just hard to cover that many points. And with what the, happened against San Jose State, you just wasn't, you weren't sure what was going to show up, and Man, <laughs> Caleb Williams is good. He's good. I mean, they had a couple times where he just he can throw dimes, and I was just impressed from them. And we'll see as as the level of competition continues to grow with them. How will this defense look? I think to me, I mean, to me and a lot of people, 
that's always the question is I know Lincoln Riley's gonna be Riley's gonna be solid on offense I I know he is it it's a matter of what is this defense gonna look like and can they make plays and show up when it really matters and when you have tougher competition um, it was interesting in other, in other games I was watching or just keeping an eye on was Texas and they're playing rice but wanting to see you know why they explosive or or just what the field was. I thought they looked, you know, like they were starting to get their hands together, especially like get their themselves together, especially in the second half. And just another reminder too is, you know, if you're an average college football fan, you know this, but even just as a reminder for all of us is that these teams don't play preseason games, obviously like the NFL. So like these games, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it live together. Like we're all figuring this out. So you don't have those opportunities. And so that's why some coaches like to schedule some of these Opponents where you know they they come in and take a check or they're getting exposure, and then your team you get to kind of figure out what you're doing because you don't get that exposure, you don't get that. It's just very hard to simulate real live football. You can simulate it as much as you can in practice, and now it's limited more because of the health and safety protocols. Which I I'm I, I get it and I support it. It's a tough sport and I think you want to be careful with athletes as much as possible and limit how many hits they're taking. But it's just hard to simulate that. So that's why some of these teams, you know, that's why you see like a Michigan play in ECU and all this other stuff. So some of those teams I thought looked, there wasn't a super lot of surprising for the most part of those teams. A surprising one was Texas State winning at Baylor. You know, I wasn't sure exactly how strong Baylor was going to be, but... I thought that one was, you know, that was interesting. Um, State of Texas, you know, had, you know, Texas Tech lost on the road at Wyoming. TCU lost at home. So, you know, you were seeing that snap being thrown around. I think people always want to find those types of things. It's interesting, but, you know, Wyoming's a tough place to play. TCU, you'd expect all those teams to win, but you also never know with with week one or week zero. You just want to until it gets played. I saw, speaking, going back to the Pac-12, I saw this stat being thrown around. It was the first time the Pac-12 being undefeated. Like, no team is, like, they haven't done that before. Like, they were 13 and, like, oh. It's a good stat, but at the same time, you need the context of, like, say for the ACC, like, there are multiple teams playing each other. Like, Georgia Tech and Louisville played. Louisville gets the win, you know, in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz. And Duke can. Clemson are about to play, so there's going to be two teams with two losses anyway. So I get it, and most teams are playing out of conference. But like, if you're playing in conference, I think you have to you have to add that in a little bit. Or if you when you're looking at that stats, I think if you're using that stat, then you also have to use the stat of like, okay, well then my like for the ACC or any conference, I'm using that as an example. If you take that the teams that are playing interconference teams out, what's the record outside of that, you know? So, like, the ACC had a couple of good games on national television with the SEC, and they came out on top of that. So, it it's going to be very, very fun. Let's see. Other, other ones I wanted to hit. Alabama took care of business against Middle Tennessee. Penn State was a little closer with West Virginia, and then they pulled away, and so that was good. Good for them to see. I think with Penn State, to me, like, they're a good team. And just from an outsider's perspective, they're a good team, but I'm ready to see, like, is the hype going to match on the field, you know? And 
I can see them beating all these other teams. To me, it comes down to what they do against Michigan, what they do against Ohio State. I mean, if anyone, if any team I would bet is ready to get out of this division play, it's Penn State because they, they deserve opportunities in some years based on record. I mean, like to play in the conference championship game, but based on where they happen to play, it division one just makes it tough. So it it'll be it's good to see them and and what they were doing. They look some more they look more explosive in the passing game, which is going to be really big for them. So what they do going forward. Another one in the afternoon slate. Excuse me, that was really interesting was Ohio State and Indiana. And it wasn't a matter of like to me it wasn't a matter of if Ohio State was going to win. I minus like some big injury or minus some catastrophic thing happening. Uh, to me, Ohio State was going to win. They've won now at 29 times in a row against Indiana. To me, it was just like you're installing a new quarterback. You're installing a, what is it going to look like with a new quarterback? And to me, I think you expect some of the you expect with new starters and new, especially on the road, that's tough with a new starter on the road. Clemson's going to try to do that, obviously. So that that's always tough. But I think I was just a little bit underwhelmed with some of the ways that they were scoring. And just it just it didn't seem like they had the full uh, throttle that Ohio State offenses have. We've seen the past few years. And it's not that they can't get there. It's just what will that look like? And I know Ohio State fans are, I'm, I'm bet, I bet you're like, you're really wanting to see this going. And I, you know, I have a friend who's a big Ohio State fan and it, you want to see more. Um, but it, I would also say it is week one on the road. And so Ryan Day has been known to have these strong offenses. So to me, I, I would still give it time. But of course, like with any of those bigger brand teams, like in Ohio State and Michigan, Clemson, Alabama, Southern Cal, Texas. Like, you're not just looking at that current game. You are watching your team saying, "We are Oklahoma. Are we ready to play Texas, Oklahoma, Auburn? You know, are we? Can this team, Georgia, play in the playoff? Like, you, you, as a fan, you're projecting out into the future. Whereas coaches see that, but they're also like, okay, we're also just trying to play the game in front of us, and then take care of business, improve what we can improve, work on stuff in practice, and continue to make progress going forward. So it's not as, you know, sometimes the offices don't come out gunslinging. Sometimes the defense really wins early, you know. And sometimes it takes time for offenses. So I, I would say for Ohio State fans, I would say give it time. But at the same time, like you are used to, you know, some higher power offense. And when you have the best wide receiver in the country and Marvin Harrison Jr. and the weapons that you have, and the expectations that you have, I, you know, and you're you're trying to beat Michigan. You don't want to lose to a third time to them. Um, so I, it'll just be interesting to see. They're just something to watch. It's just something to watch going forward, especially for a team that a lot of people had picked um, in, in this cluster of top teams as a team that could win the national title. So that's where I'm at with them. Michigan, so Michigan took care of business, and it was good to see in the passing game. The interesting thing for me was I wasn't necessarily expecting. It was good to see support for their coach. It was interesting how it was being framed as in, like, he was suspended out of his, uh, like, 
is being done against him. You know, they did the whole everyone help the four, and they did a special, you know, uh, formation to start the game. I, I thought that was a little bit much personally, but, you know, you're supporting your coach, supporting your team. I, to me, you know, there's a lot of things against the NCAA, but when you lie to them or that's that's what's being alleged is that that they weren't he wasn't forthright with them and so they've been going back and forth and like should he be suspended should he not and then how many games and then that it, they thought it was approved and it's not approved and so it's going to take it to next year and then they do a self-imposed and it's just it's, it's kind of just it's all it feels like all over the place so I just thought that was interesting. Uh, to me, it felt like a little much, but again, like you want your players and you want your team to support your coach. And so I get it, but it was just interesting. Just from an outsider's perspective, it was interesting to see that and take that in. So other big games, uh, Georgia took care of business, you know, as we expected. Some of these teams really – they were going to see that. I thought Washington Boise State was interesting because Michael Penix is in the the conversation for the Heisman, and you know they were a little sluggish at first, and sometimes it takes time to get you know those deep balls just right and get the the feel for the game just right. And and Boise State's a tough out; like they're not like always the easiest team to play, you know. And they used to they were have been a darling of just the underdog and just and especially years past. But they're they're a tough out and Penix, you know, struggled a little bit and then you look at his box score now, it's four or fifty yards for five touchdowns. You know, it's just they're explosive. And to me it's just um, can this defense continue to hold I just it, for them, like they have a good defense, but it's just can this offense stay healthy and especially can they can they hold up until they get to these big games and give themselves a chance in conference play and then even a potential for future success down the road. So they, they, they had a lot of injuries last year, and so wanting to see them stay healthy so they can continue to improve this offense. But it was just – that was impressive. It was impressive to watch. And so Michael Penix is definitely somebody to keep your eye on. Um, we've had, we have some strong names out west. You know, you got Bo Nix at Oregon. you got Penix at – Washington, you've got Caleb Williams. I was playing for a second. Caleb Williams at Southern Cal, and so they're just they're fun. There's fun names out there. So unfortunately for us East Coasters, it's late at ten thirty. Start kickoff time is late, but it's a lot of good football being played out there. And don't sleep on it just because the conference is not going to be there in the same way we've known it like last year. Uh, UCLA, they played a tough Coastal team. I think even Coastal is just interesting. I feel like Coastal and App State are similar in this way where they've had some, you know, it, it was just interesting. You have a turnover and a coaching staff, what's going to look like. They were tough again, and that was that's a tough to go across the country like that, and I thought they played a tough game. And as and UCLA came on top, and, that, you know, that seemed like that, that was the right the way that the game was played, that was the right way for that to go. But it was just interesting to see as, as UCLA is trying to figure out the new quarterback and just a lot of new things. And so there's some interesting storylines like that. So that one was a fun one to watch. The couple other big ones I want to hit as we continue to go through this are 
game day was at North Carolina in Charlotte for North Carolina, South Carolina. And that one was such a big game because though both these fan bases and, and living in this kind of area of the country, both these fan bases are continuing to see success, but then wanting to continue to, obviously you want to continue to expand and continue to grow forward from what you did years prior and wanting to capitalize on what you've got. You know, if you're South Carolina, you know, Coach Beamer has exceeded expectations in the previous couple of years, but you want to continue to grow in that with a really tough schedule and um, where you're out in the country with the, with the Southeastern Conference and rival Clemson and, you know, Georgia's just won back-to-back national titles. You know, long and then you got Spencer Rattler supposed to be improved and just want to continue to see growth in that. And then with North Carolina, you got with Matt Brown's doing, you've been in the ACC title game last year, but you want a better showing and you want to finish the year strong. You got Drake Mays in the Heisman conversation, but he's probably leaving after this year and you want to capitalize on that. So it was just definitely a game where for, for them to reach the goals of like wins and just having it be a successful year. Saturday night was important, and that's what made it intriguing for both. And you just have the battle of the state line, and then who's the real Carolina, and um, you know those things make for good TV. But also, I'd say it just depends on what part of the what part of the like what part of the state or what part of the country you live in. But uh, to me, I think I had some big question marks. You know, with North Carolina, it was okay. Drake May is great, and he's a really good player. Who, like, who else is going to step up, you know? He can't be a leading rusher. Like, he has to have good guys to throw to. This That secondary has to be improved, you know? Like, I don't care how good your quarterback is, if you can't get stops, like, you're not going to – you're only going to win so many games by scoring, like, 50 points, you know, 40 points. Like, you got to get some stops. And and then those guys transferred, you know? And I, I was impressed – with North Carolina. I thought they were better than I expected coming into that game and they were well prepared. They're missing their top two potential receivers, you know. You had Tez, the Tez Walker story, which that's just that that one's just sad. because um, the dude should should have played. Um, but that one was tough and they were out with him, of course. And if you want to read more into that, you can. But he didn't play. Um, I personally thought he should have been able to play, but it, it, the process didn't finish. And they're missing him and then the transfer from Georgia Tech, you know? And yet they still, you know, it, to me, that game showed why Drake May is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, well, one of the best players in the country, because he was getting guys into space and. Also, you had uh, Chip Lindsey was the new offensive coordinator because you had Phil Longo going off to Wisconsin. So you're like, okay, what is this going to look like? I don't like it, it's going to be a little more balanced than just the passing. But you know, you, you just you, it's hard to feel that out, you know. And who's the running back going to be? And British Brooks, Brooks, man, he was impressive. Like he was just that's tough. And then you got. After a guy who was injured all last year and hadn't played since the 2021 game against South Carolina, so that was cool to see him go over 100 yards. And um, Drake May played really well. I thought the defense was really strong for North Carolina, and they made it really tough on on the Gamecocks all night. And so they just look like they look like a tough out. And to me, 
in the ACC, it's clearly Clemson and Florida State are the one and two, depending on you know your preference or what who you're higher on. But North Carolina feels like that they're solidifying themselves in that number three spot to me, with opportunities to continue to grow and to continue to get better, especially with those wide receivers back. Um, to me, they, they started off strong last year, and, and like I was saying earlier, they need to finish strong at the end of the season to give themselves a chance. Especially you know when you play a team like Clemson and, and you in those bigger games. Um, I think with me with South Carolina, I was like, I, there were some good takeaways I thought from the game and, and parts that they played really well and I was impressed with, and then there were other parts I was a little underwhelmed with and. I thought that the system looked... And also, the question with South Carolina was, okay, you lose pieces. You lose you know, you lose your tight end. You lose your top running back. You're losing some offensive weapons. You know, what's this defense going to look like? And new... They also have a new offensive coordinator. Marcus Satterfield out. Uh, Loggins in from the NFL. And just... Um, and I think he was at Arkansas last year as a tight ends coach. And he had a relationship with Coach Beamer. And... You know, what's that going to look like? And is it really going to be the offense from, like, the first, you know, 10 games or so? Or is it going to be the last two where they were just exploded against Tennessee and then beat Clemson on the road? Um, I thought there's still some more improvements to be made, but I was I was impressed with Rattler. I thought he looked pretty poised in there, all things considered, and really gave his team an opportunity to win. And, you know, Juice Wells wasn't a strong like he had some injuries um uh Leggett looked like he's a different player on the outside so you're to be encouraged with that the big thing for me with South Carolina is that offensive line just that it just needs to get better you know especially for our first game and North Carolina wasn't known as being a team that got off the passer really well and to me that is that is number one circled on your paper what to focus on going forward because and they've tried to make changes and transfers but that has to get better it's like that's the thing with football is that it's such a unit that if one guy doesn't cover his guy well then the play can be blown up dead like Spencer Rattler should not be sacked nine times like and it wasn't like a case of like because he was holding on to the ball too well he was running around for his life all game long giving his team opportunity I mean he threw for like 350 yards and you know, didn't throw an interception, gave his team opportunities to win. They came back, they had a lead, you know, and then they just ran out of steam. And I mean, props to North Carolina. They recognized it and they kept bringing pressure and they kept, they kept bringing pressure and they kept, you know, making it tough on them. And they just couldn't run the ball because of that. They could not run the ball. So the fact that they were as close as they were in the game, I mean, to me, that is props to they were really trying to scheme it and really trying to, you know they were throwing a lot of those screens on the outside and trying to give their teams opportunity um but they just shot themselves in the foot with that the onside kick call was really cool i thought that was really good props to them on that and but then you have to capitalize on that and i think that's where south Carolina's gonna want to go back to the drawing board and they just play a really tough schedule and that's what makes it like they got georgia in a few weeks and they got tennessee they play A and M, and then you got Clemson every year. Like, I could see this being like a team that gets continues to get improved, and even just in the off season, it's just like they might not have the same record as last year potentially, but it could even be theoretically a better team or uh, 
more complementary pieces of each other. But the offensive line has to get improved because you're just not going to do a whole lot against even like against other tough pass rushes, you know, in the SEC. And and then also they're just um, they had some injuries and then they had freshmen that were thrown in there. But they, I thought they handled themselves pretty well, all things considered. So just a lot I want to continue to improve on. And then the big one, of course, as we'll end this, is is LSU Florida State. Um, this one was circled because you know they had that one point game in New Orleans last year where LSU drives down they. they and they are about to tie the game, and then they miss the extra point, and, and Florida State comes out of there with the win, but then LSU goes on to win the SEC West, and they play Georgia, and they end up losing, but they play much better in year one under Brian Kelly than I think was even expected necessarily, but, I mean, Duke and Coach, and like they, they were a better team than we thought coming into last year. And then Florida State, you know, they end up winning nine games, you know. But then with, like, Corson Novell, like, the storyline is, you know, what are they going to look like? Is Was last year really, like, was that for real? Or is that a team beating up on weaker opponents and helping your wins, you know, to be better, better than you actually were? And so, and they're both top ten teams. And what's early is that you can have a top ten matchup, but then it's like, what is it? Are both teams really deserving of that ranking or – is one maybe there's a little bit of fraudness in there and you know they should be lower ranked than that and I was expecting a closer game and I ended up picking Florida State to cover but I didn't necessarily felt great about it to be honest like you just don't know all the way and Florida State's another team that brought in a lot of transfers and I think with transfers you just want to see how they how, how they flow together are they really you know culturally fitting really well and are they really like a team unit and, but I just felt like the, the key for me, excuse me, and what showed up in the game is that LSU, I think, is still a good team, but they also had transfers, but they had transfers all over the secondary. And the, the one of the strengths of Florida State was their deep passing game. And then you bring on like Keon Coleman and then you have Johnny Wilson and like those are two tough guys to cover and like Deuce Chestnut the transfer from Boston College I think he's I think he's a good player and he'll end up I think having a good year that's just a tough matchup and and with a secondary there has to be a lot of communication obviously and I was concerned about that for LSU I mean, it's not that they weren't playable but that in some moments where you got some broken coverage especially in week one like there's going to be some open plays, and I think Florida State could capitalize on that. And I think I just felt, but I mean, we're talking like what felt like going into the game, like just small differences that you think might win a game, you know. And if someone picked LSU, I I wouldn't blame them. And then even in the midst of the game, LSU goes up 17 to 14 at the half, like, and you're like, oh, they steal three points, and you're like, man, that feels like a key three points because it just feels like a close game, and then. So you have that as I'm trying to pull up the score. So, man, like, and then Florida State comes out of that half, man, and just, they just, they were balling. I mean, they really took over the second half. Jordan Travis was just really impressive. His legs, that's just, that's tough. And you can tell, 
Florida State's been talking a lot, you know, off season, and they have some talented dudes, but you just wanted to see that come together, and so they they backed it up, and they look like one of the best teams in the country. Jordan Travers played a great game. They come in, they score, and then they get the key interception and come back and then score again. And then the next thing you know, they've scored 24 unanswered points and really put this game away. And then LSU scores in garbage time. But it was impressive. I mean, Travis had 342 yards, four touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. Keon Coleman had three touchdowns. I mean, he he was really good. Johnny Wilson had 100, 104 yards. Jaheim Bell looked impressive. But Keon Coleman, to me, was another one. I, the Michigan State transfer, I mean, his catch radius, I'd heard a little bit, but just to see it, um, I was just impressed from that, man. And they're tough. I mean, it'll be very interesting to see. This is before the AP poll comes out. It'll be interesting to see how voters treat it. Do they, do they reward a team like Florida State? Will they jump them even all the way to one because they played who you – they themselves voted LSU the number five team in the country, or do you keep LSU number one? But they played a team like UT Martin, and there was disrespect for them, but they should have won. They technically didn't even cover. It was a 50-point spread. So to me, I wouldn't argue with people a whole lot, really, to make floor seat number one, even though it doesn't feel all the way right because of where you put them. But then that's where these preseason rankings are. I think you put out these rankings, and then you have to be very ready to make big changes based on what we see because you actually have stuff. On, I think that a lot on the field takes precedent to stuff before. And even with carryover with Georgia, I think you just – I mean, they still have questions. And, you know, until they actually play somebody, that's, like, up to their standard. Like – it's very interesting. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue a lot with people if they want to Florida State one. But that will just be fun, interesting to see, you know, as we go into this. So, and then we'll, we'll talk some Clemson Duke once Matt comes back after, the, after that game comes. And we'll, we'll preview into the next, uh, next week's games, you know, into the next episode and share some where I have teams ranked and stuff. So a lot of fun stuff on the pod. Thank you for listening. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, thank you. Uh, go and go and subscribe to the to the YouTube channel. It's at it's backyard catch as well. I'll put it in the I'll put it in the show notes and I'll put it in you know online wherever you can find it. That really helps me and helps support the show. And hoping to be able to put some more stuff and content out there as best I can. And so thank you for that and trying to make this maybe a little more regular kind of a thing and I'll give you more information as this comes but remember just yeah if you could subscribe on there and subscribe to the podcast that really helps us out and helps other people get to see it too and so definitely share with people as you think you might be interested so thank you guys for listening and enjoy some college football man I'll talk to you later have a good week